Hey, everybody. It's Michelle, and I am completely cup runneth over with joy because today I get to announce that Chasing the Swallow, Truth, Science, and Hope for Pediatric Feeding and Swallowing Disorders is 100% done and in publication, and you can check out your copy on Amazon. And the best part, if that book moves you, if it grows your evidence-based triangle to to engage in interprofessional practice, to do the root cause analysis to why the child is presenting with the PFD, to then engage with the team to get that child to a point of healing so that the real growth can begin, then y'all check out speechtherapypd.com because they are gracious enough to entertain all of these amazing, joyful ideas. And they're currently carrying the book for 13.5 ASHA CEUs. So (sighs) thank you for being a part of the first bite journey that led to chasing the swallow. And be sure to check out speechtherapypd.com for the 13.5 ASHA CEUs that accompany it. Happy learning. Hi, folks, and welcome to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional, a speech therapy podcast sponsored by SpeechTherapyPD.com. I am your host on this nerd venture, Michelle Dawson, MS, CCC, SLP, CLC, the all things PEDS SLP. I am a colleague in the trenches of home health early intervention right there with you. I run my own private practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy, here in Town, South Carolina, and I guess lecture nationwide on best practices for early intervention for the medically complex and fragile child. First Bite's mission is short and sweet, to bring light, hope, knowledge, and joy to the pediatric clinician, parent, or advocate by way of a nerdy conversation, so there's plenty of laughter too. In this podcast, we cover everything from AAC to breastfeeding, ethics on how to run a private practice, pediatric dysphagia to clinical supervision, and all other topics in the world of pediatric speech pathology. Our goal is to bring evidence-based practice straight to you by interviewing subject matter experts to break down the communication barriers so that we can access the knowledge of their fields. Or, as a close friend says, to build the bridge. By bringing other professionals and experts in our field together, we hope to spark advocacy joy and passion for continuing to grow and advance care for our little ones. Every fourth episode, I join in. I'm Erin Forward, MSP, CCC, SLP, the Yankee by way of Rochester, New York transplant who actually inspired this journey. I bring a different perspective, that of a newish clinician with experience in early intervention, pediatric acute care, and nonprofit pediatric outpatient settings. So sit back, relax, and watch out for all our squirrels and enjoy this geeky gig brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. Okay, folks, I cannot tell you how long I have waited to record this beautiful human. I have literally asked a couple times and she's like, I'm close. I'm not ready. I'm close. I'm not ready. And then our stars aligned. And then I had to bail because I didn't realize that my husband had scheduled a romantic date. (laughs) So then they realigned and we made it happen. And I am absolutely excited because I have had the privilege of watching today's guest. I've watched her career just blossom and her find her muchness. And now she has this thriving private practice in Baltimore. And it's just, my heart is full of joy and pride for her. And so without further ado, I have the lovely Corinne Zooms. <laughs> There's last <laughs> But we practice. But she goes, Michelle, it's like the animal and then a bee flies into it. And I legit imagined like a flying bee, like the letter B. And she's like, no, it's the bumblebee. So, all right, you got to do it right now, love. All right. 
Corinne, how do I say this? So my name is Corinne Zmoose. Beautiful. I love yes. my last name. I am never getting rid of it. It is so cool. Yes, don't. I mean, I got to be honest. My ex-husband did have the perfect last name because he was a Schwartz and I got to say, may the Schwartz be with you. And you don't know the reference because you're not as old as I am. But like Spaceballs, if anybody gets the Spaceballs reference, then you too understand that. That's but- the one reference from you I'm going to understand. The rest, I'm just going to shake my head at you. That's great because you guys, before we started recording, I was telling her about the hotness that is Kurt Russell's Circa um, Big Trouble Little China. And she didn't know who I was. I was like, you know, Goldie Hawn's husband didn't have a clue. And I was like, oh, dear God, Kate Husband's mother. And she was like, oh, yeah, I know who that was. And I was like, <laughs> I've never felt so old. <laughs> yeah. All the middle-aged women got Kurt Russell Circa late 1980s and the mutton chops and the shirts. But yes. Okay. I digress. Okay, so Corinne is a musical speech language pathologist in Baltimore, Maryland. Her private practice, Crescendo Communication. Everybody in this moment, if you're not driving and you're safe, go follow her on the land of the Instagram. She provides highly individualized neurodiverse language and executive functioning therapy for toddlers, children, and tiny humans. But what I love is that she is a huge proponent of AAC. Every post she has, it's all about like how she makes AAC play-based and empowers these children and is a lover of Gestalt language learning and just, I just love her. So y'all, thank you, Corinne. Tell us all the things. What made you be a speech pathologist? Catch us up to speed here, love. Yeah, all the things. Well, I became a speech pathologist by accident. I was... (laughs) (laughs) Accidentally, $75,000 student loans. I get that. Oh, I wish it were that low. No, I don't have a a cool villain origin story. I was walking on campus in undergrad, and I thought I would study advertising or French. I had no idea. I was undecided. And then one day on my way back to my dorm, I saw the speech and hearing clinic. And I had no idea what they would do in there. But I looked up the website and I saw the curriculum for the speech and hearing sciences major. And I could not believe that they had specially designed a career just for me and my brain and the things that would light me up for the rest of my life and make it rarely feel like work you know, acoustics, child development, um, classes about intercultural exchange. And God, I fell in love from the jump. I have never once looked back. I love this career and I feel really lucky. Where did you go to school? Yeah. I went to the George Washington University for undergrad in DC. Yes. I had my DC moments and I got to, I got to run to the white house when Obama was reelected I got to sing to Michelle Obama once. Oh my um, God. I had a really cool undergrad experience, all while learning the foundations for this cool career. And then I ended up, up at Emerson College for grad school, and I wouldn't have gone anywhere else. I loved Emerson. And, you know, it's funny. I, when I was at Emerson, we had an AAC class. And I remember sitting there and being like, this is not for me. I don't like technology. I don't like technology. And now I just look back at that and laugh because it's 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 everything now. I use it with everyone. I use it with a, with late talkers. I I use it with you know my my neurotypical friends to communicate across crowded room. Like it's AAC is everything. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, okay. Can we just talk? I um. Did you know Carrie? She was Carrie Comer, mm-hmm. I think, at the time. She was my teacher. <laughs> She and I have connected oh since then. I've listened to her on your podcast before, and I was the slacker yeah. in the back row for her. I <laughs> I was straight up in the back row, falling asleep, not paying attention. I feel so bad looking back now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I think back to undergraduate Michelle showing up. I mean, I went to Old Dominion University mm-hmm. for undergrad. We're known for our rush week in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'll just... Let you fill in the blanks for undergraduate Michelle. <laughs> it was 
Uh-huh. And folks, I am really glad that Underground Michelle happened before social media. Yeah. Yes. So we extend ourselves grace and then we just keep on trucking. Exactly. So and now I show up fully. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I show up fully, but there's definitely days where like on my end, mom life trickles in. So like there is that. I mean, I it is our season. <laughs> but okay. So how did you step out in faith and go into opening your own private practice and go into a new city? I began my private practice exploration when I was working in DC. That's where I did my clinical fellowship. I jumped right into early intervention and I couldn't believe that it was a real job, that I got to be independent and you know, explore more of the city that I loved in Washington, DC. And I got to be a small part in someone's really big life and mm-hmm. work with the cutest kids in the world. It was an amazing learning experience. And then I For my next position after my CF, I worked with Easter Seals. So DC Easter Seals has a really um, incredible inclusion daycare. It's um, a pretty rare breed where um, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait till school for your child to be in some sort of inclusion environment. Um, So working there for quite a while. But I felt some constraints you know, and the ability to provide the types of services I want, the level of goofiness that I think that my job deserves, um, and the flexibility and the, you know, the time for counseling, the time for the wiggle room to say, you know, right now we might not need to do the type of therapeutic approach that a school might call for or that the coaching model might strictly call for you know, sessions in my private practice, they have fluidity to them and there's a lot of creativity and I'm meeting the moment in the moment. If I'm not meeting that exact moment, if I'm coming in with some agenda, I'm going to be missing something really important for the child in front of me or for the family in front of me. You're fully present. Mm -hmm. Using Folks, this is where we have the ability to engage our therapeutic presence. Therapy starts the moment that child or that caregiver lay eyes on you. Because if you get up on your desk and they can see you and they can tell that you're carrying grief on your heart and then you turn around and you see them and then you put that that mask on, it's the moment's gone. The moment could be gone. So, and for me, I feel like my session begins on my drive there. My session begins when I'm walking up the steps or my session begins before the door even opens. And if I'm, if I don't have that time and space that private practice allows to take those breaths and craft those thoughts that set me up for success, the session isn't going to have that quality that really touches lives. That magic, those moments. Now I feel that. (sighs) Okay, so before we got started, we were sharing our high points in, of the week, right? And she was sharing her breakthroughs. But my um, high point of the week was this this past week, my graduate student started. Uh, it was her very <laughs> first day with me. And bless her heart, my patient that I worked with for four and a half years, he looked her totally deadpan. And he goes, pull me another one. And we've been working on like cup drinking. And I was like, and he is a Gestalt language learner, uh, secondary to dual diagnosis of um, Down syndrome and ASD. So she pours water in his reflow cup and like, you know, we're doing it. And then um, he goes, pull me another one. And so, and I'm like, why is he singing it like in this tone, right? Because I know Caleb and Dropkick Murphys, all right? Don't judge. <laughs> so like, they, I hope you understand what Dropkick Murphys are as current. Oh, I do. But, I like, got you on that one. Okay, yay. But like, all of a sudden, you know, he starts busting out a pour me another one, another shot of whiskey. And I learned who Morgan Wall, Wallen Wallace is because I, so dear sir, you and your country music have taught my tiny human to drink from a cup where I have failed for the last four years. So <laughs> I owe you a very heartfelt amount of gratitude. Thank you. You should copyright that if you haven't done it already. <laughs> so, but 
when you were talking about your breakthrough moments, it was everything to do with your therapeutic presence and how you pull in AAC and your love of music. So take us through all of that. How do you bring your music in and how do you bring AAC in? Mm, It's the bedrock. Mm, It's it's the bedrock. Music is the bedrock of my whole practice. Melody, rhythm, the the conversation that happens within a musical piece, whether it's as simple as Baby Shark or as complex as Mozart, it sets the tone. It leaves room for creativity. And there's so much musicality in Gestalt processing. And there's so much musicality in AAC that just lights kids up. You know, I am so grateful to be practicing speech pathology in a time where Gestalt processing is exploding with research and with personal evidence and community evidence. I am so grateful because I have just fallen in love with the natural language acquisition approach. It is a game changer for the families I work with. The musical elements behind so many stage one scripts are they're just, they're, they're gorgeous. They're fascinating to me. Being able to pull out that underlying melodic line from To Infinity and Beyond or from a line from Peppa Pig, when you pull out that melodic line underneath those words, you can infuse it into so many other scripts. Oh my gosh, it's, it's so much fun. I love pulling scripts into original songs. Grabbing the ukulele, my famous, famous, famous ukulele, and throwing that stage one script that a kid says into a verse, and they just look at you like, oh man, you are speaking my language, and you just took it to a whole new level. You get me. Yeah. They, you see them. But you know what, Michelle? They see me right back. I mean- Yes. How much of my life do I walk around with my neurodivergent brain feeling like a total alien? Wondering, you know, like the way my frontal lobe is wired, it is a miracle I get anything done. So I feel really alone. I feel like my communication style does not work most places. But when I am with my clients, I feel seen too. I feel safe. My body is never more relaxed than when, than when I'm in a session. Um, you know, speaking through gestalts. So it's 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 a mutual seeing. It's a it's a mutual knowing. I love this, Mern. I found the Baltimore version of you, and I know you're <laughs> listening. But my very very sweet friend, Mern, um, Marion Nail, and Mern. I know I butchered it, woman, but like this is you two are like the same person, and she does camp counseling at Camp Royale in North Carolina. That's an um, Autism camp for four to sixty-four year olds. Oh wow! Um, you would love it, yeah. All right, folks? I know, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of if you have extra love money. But seriously, if you have extra love money lying around at the end of this month, and I know we're coming into the holiday season, Camp Royale is definitely worth um, a little bit of love money here and there. And they don't pay me to say this. I've just seen. I know the hearts that go in there to help. And it's beautiful. But yes, okay, you touch on something and you talked about, and you'll have to help me here, level one scripts. Stage one. Stage one. Yeah. Edumacate me, please. Edumacate you. All right. So, <laughs> I mean, that's what my, sorry, when my stepmom finished her master, she was like, I'm officially edumacated. I, I was like, there was wine that night and it stuck. <laughs> <laughs> All of this, you've got to give credit to to Marge Blanc coming up with digestible ways to connect with this incredible approach. Um, and then I believe Alexandra, oh gosh, I'm blanking on her last name. Um, let me look her up. I, I really want to give her credit for the Meaningful Speech course because this is where I, I send all my families, Alexandria Zakos from Meaningful Speech, um, Alexandria and Marge teamed up to create um, an online training about natural language acquisition for Gestalt processing. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I don't get any cuts of that either. 
Um, I highly recommend going on there, checking it out, learn about this um, language processing style because it's really common. And a lot of neurotypical kids go through um, a brief gestalt processing stage. And so it's really important to know about. It'll also help you understand your own brain and your own communication style. Like, for example, when you're in a stressful social, social situation, notice how many scripts you might turn to, how many turns of phrase you pull out because they're easier for the brain to access. Yeah, they're much easier for the brain to access when your amygdala is lighting up a little bit. And so this is also, it's, it's been a self-reflecting journey for me to learn about um, GLPs. But stage one. So stage one is when we're seeing communicative echolalia. So pulling those large chunks of meaning that for a GLP represents something bigger. You know, the one that most people say as an example is to infinity and beyond. And to a child, that might represent a transition. It might represent a moment when they are in motion. To them, the, the meaning of it might be um, something exciting. Think about the emotions behind that script and then applying that echolalically to other parts of their life. Um, stage one is really fun because you'll see scripts pop out from TV shows or movies, or my favorite is when it comes from music. Um, or sometimes you'll just hear it because you'll hear scripts pop out because it's something they've heard their parents say. Mm -hmm. Those are my favorites because yeah. I feel like I get a window into what happens when you're not around. <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah, I've had a couple that have been when they get excited, when the little ones get excited, they go like, oh, baby, or something <laughs> like that. I'm like, they have definitely heard a caregiver say mm -hmm. that to the spouse because inevitably the mom looks at me and is like, I'm uh -oh. so sorry. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I have, oh my gosh, one of my clients, love of my life. I say this about all my clients. I'm like, they are, my partner's sick of it. They are the love of my life. And he'll look at me like, oh, what about me? <laughs> But I have this one client who is the love of my life. And one time he turns around. Um, we were having a really fun, high energy activity going. He turns, locks eyes with me, gets the biggest groan on his face, and he goes, crazy. <laughs> and I go into the house. I go, who says this? <laughs> who in here? I looked at all the caregivers. Who says it? And they're like, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, but like uh -huh, the, int uh -huh. the the musicality in that, ah, there's the notes, the way it shifts, uh -huh. that that pitch shift is like, of course that stuck with you. It's, I can't stop saying it now either. Crazy. <laughs> it's it's just beautiful. I kind of feel like that's from Animal House uh -huh. or something of okay, that. Okay, okay. So like, like uh -huh, but that's yeah. that's why I love this approach. It's because you get to be a detective. You get to be a detective of meaning. And I don't know. I think <laughs> so, like regular comedic. Like I I don't like the word regular. I want to I want to nix what I just said. Like neurotypical. <laughs> no, it's important. It's important to to, to yeah. challenge the way you yeah. talk about language. I didn't like the way I said that. It's not regular. It's different. It's another form of communication. Yes, I don't either. I don't like the within normal limits or like within or when you have to chart and they want you to say within functional oh, limits. Don't get me started about the word functional. I <laughs> I want to do like the angriest backflip whenever I hear the word functional. It's like, I'm sorry, I see a fully functional human being in front of me who is communicating in beautiful ways. Mm -hmm. You know, we're hearing like, oh, they don't have any functional language. Um the language I'm hearing serves many functions. They just aren't serving. Yes. They're not serving you and they make you uncomfortable. Exactly. The mm -hmm. child is not serving mm -hmm. me in the functions that I like want them to serve me in. It just, ooh, ooh, hate that word. Oh. No, I did a new eval this yeah. week and they told, I said, so talk to me about what you and the early interventionist are working on. They're like, well, we're working on getting him to play with toys appropriately. <laughs> and I was like, uh-huh. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, he doesn't. And they showed me like, and he's neurodivergent, just shy of two. I suspect autism spectrum disorder mm -hmm. as well as um, a focal seizure disorder. So we have we have some things to stat referral to neurology yes, for. Please. But 
thank thank you, but it's a cube block with like the puzzles that are, uh, and they're like, well, he doesn't want to stack them and he doesn't want to sort them. <laughs> he wants to pick them up, spin them around, and then throw them at the wall and look at them when they fall. He's investigating. He like if you sit back and watch Aaron, I listen to the things that you instill in my soul. He's playing, mm-hmm. and you know what? And and I told her I was like so. And I encouraged her. I was like, you need to seek out two sides of the spectrum and you need to seek out Rachel Dorsey. Mm. And so I empowered caregivers. And I was like, and we talk about neurodivergent play and play is play and play can be anything that you want. And I come in and I just put words in here. And that's what I do with my handy dandy little AAC device. But like, this is like... Folks, this is not anecdotal evidence. This is current evidence-based practice. We bring in core and fringe vocabulary, and the fringe is unique to the child and the caregiver. And you start right out the gate with it. We don't use AAC as a last resort. That is my partner in action. I tell all my interns, AAC is first resort. You start. You show up with it. Yes. Again, for the people in the back, we start there. Yes. It can only help. You know, like straight yes. out the gate when I get when I get paired with because I still do I do some early intervention work still home health through through DC and I show up with a core board. I don't care if you are right on the cusp of qualifying. You've got beautiful vocabulary. There is a part of your life that symbol support can help. And for me to hold yes. that back from anybody, to hold back any sort of help from anybody, mm-mm, that's not it. That ain't it, it Michelle. Don't. No, it is a violation of the Communication Bill of Rights. So let's just call it that. That's what this is. Access to AAC and being denied access to AAC is a violation of the Communication Bill of Rights. And this is my soapbox. And I'm going to slowly step back down. No, um, stay on it. Is it big enough for both of us? <laughs> yes, it is. I will make room. Honestly, I'll come to the Michelle, party. here's the thing. I just turned my soapboxes into big shoes and I wear them all the time now. <laughs> Wait, I just got a flashback to when I was little and my grandma went to Holland and she brought back the little Dutch wooden <laughs> shoes. And I remember walking around, but they were like legit wooden and I would have to pull the splinters out of my no. feet. <laughs> no. That was, oh, oh yeah. I thought that was the greatest, scariest thing ever. Also, she had a doll that had like the three different faced heads and like, I knew that doll was haunted. Yeah. Well, she was a child of the depression. She, my grandma that raised me, she kept literally everything. And it was this doll and it had a happy face or a sad face. And it was her doll when she was little. And I don't know which one of my aunts got it, but like, oi. Wow. It needs, I can picture it, is, but I don't want to. Nope. Yep. Don't want to. <laughs> if if our now my neurodivergence ADD self is showing, but like, oh, like what were we talking about? Again. Oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> okay, so you are pulling out love. It was stage one scripting. Am I using the correct terms? Mm-hmm. Stage one scripts. Stage one gestalts. Um, stage one utterances. Stage two. So stage two is my favorite. Oh my gosh. So this is when mitigations happen. So it's when you take two stage. I just thought of divorce attorneys. So now I'm a little worried. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a different, different, different flavor of mitigation for in stage two. This is where I have the most fun because it's like mathematical. It's like, it's really fun. And this is, um, this is really fun to coach families on big on the coaching model. I want to put myself out of a job. I want everyone to know all this fun stuff I know because it's boring for me to know it on my own. I love coaching parents and I love coaching interns on this too. Just watching them be like, oh my gosh, I can do this. Yeah. So you take two stage one scripts. So let's come up with some examples from my buddies this week. Pull me another one. Okay. Pull me another one. And then let's say they've been listening to T-Pain's buy you a drink. Oh, so then you've got those two scripts. So then you would, you would kind of, you would edit them or lob off and mitigate and then put them together in a new way. So pour me okay. a drink, oh, ooh, put them together. So what you're doing is you're taking that bigger meaning from each one. You're just gently putting the two meanings next to each other, combined 
and seeing if the client, seeing if the child locks into or connects with that's that combined meaning of the two things that have a bigger meaning to them. Um, it's really, really fun because my favorite thing to do is, is I, when I first start working with a family of a Gestalt processor, we create a scriptionary. So we do a shared uh, document with, I create a table for them for their scriptionary. And then you write down any utterance that you hear. We then decide together what stage it's at. Usually in the beginning when we're using the scriptionary, it's stage one. And then we write down which caregiver overheard it. And then you write down the possible underlying meaning. This is the column for the detective work. And I love to have this be a shared document for the whole team. The kids I work with, they have huge teams. I want everybody involved. I want everybody listening for this, these gestalts and feeling empowered that they can hear them and understand them and do the detective work too. Because if I see a kid an hour a week, forget it. I'm not going to know the context of that Daniel Tiger quote, but the nanny will. I'm not going to know the context of the last line of the storybook, but dad will. And so what we do over time is we fill out the scriptionary, and then it's really fun. You have in front of you um, all these scripts that you can then recombine and find ways to mitigate in meaningful ways for other parts of the daily routine. I have never heard of a scriptionary. I feel like it's the language version of a food log, and I am so happy right now. I'm happy too. I love it. Families are really proud of it. Some of them like will customize the colors and the font if they don't like the one that I do, and I'm very proud of that. But I think it's great. And I'm, I'm if I if I took that name from someone else, I don't remember. Feel free to DM me and let me know that I stole the name for it. But yeah, I've been calling it a scriptionary for a few years. Um, maybe I made it up. I don't know. I could take credit for this. We're gonna find out if I get an angry yes. DM though. I mean. I'm just happy that I know what a DM is when you say that. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Please know there was some code switching really quick. I was like, I know I've heard that where I've heard that. Oh, Aaron. Yep, yep. Okay, got it. So, um, no, this is amazing. Okay, so if that's stage two, mm-hmm. I can see how this is – I can see the light in their eyes. There was this little boy – that I worked with years and years and years and years ago when I was a quote unquote speech teacher. <laughs> yeah. In Virginia. So this was pre SLPA certification in Virginia. And, um, he was in kindergarten and during, um, the assembly, we'd go into the big room and he would start getting nervous and he would script animal planets, mm-hmm. top 10 deadliest animals. And you would know where he was in his stress level according to his scripts. And if it was the deadly animals, oh, 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 Miss Wood, Miss Wood, it is number one. It is number one tonight's deadliest animal. And like, but, you know, naive young Michelle, I just knew he was stressed. I didn't recognize the power in what he was saying. But now that I'm older, I look back and I'm like, you know, he would, when we were in like, quote unquote, the speech room um, that I shared with three other teachers. And one time the HVAC unit fell through the ceiling and landed on my desk because it's not exactly in a nice part of Virginia. And they just left it there for like a couple of days and expected us to do speech therapy with an HVAC unit hanging from the ceiling on my desk. We did, we survived, but um, worried about asbestos as they all came in completely gowned. But he'd be in there surrounded by this chaos, living his best life and talking about the fastest Mm. animals or like the biggest eaters, but subtle variations in tone and change. And to how he scripted that, what I wish I knew now that I did yeah. that. Wow. I think that's that's beautiful that he could pull so much yes. meaning and emotion from this modality that made sense to him. And then yes. connect yes. Like the tears of meaning and the, gosh, the levels in that are beautiful. I would be tearing up every time I talk to him. I cry all the time at work. Oh yeah. my goodness, Michelle. I do too. I cry all the time. My clients and their parents know that like I had my 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 sweet girl last night uh who has selective mutism. I was telling you before we started recording that she went from 
not speaking at all at the beginning of the session to two word combinations at the end. I was waterworks. And she just puts her hand up, looks at me and goes, stop. <laughs> oh, oh. She was like, please don't cry. Please don't cry. And she used her strategy, her segmentation strategy to tell me to stop crying. I loved it. Stop. <laughs> Yeah, that would have, that would have like I would have like lost oh, yeah. it then and been like <laughs> oh, no, I I doubled down. I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, love it. Okay, is there is there a stage three? Yeah, here? there are actually six stages in the current in the current model. And like I said before, I highly recommend. I am I am, I really enjoy this. I implement it. I am not the expert. I am going to miss nuance here that you guys all deserve and your clients deserve. I think we should definitely link. The, the website and the training to this to this yes. episode. Well, thank you. Can you tell me how you put in music and AAC into these? Oh, steps? yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to stage one, uh, gestalts, not only using the scripts that kids bring to the table in musical ways, I'll put them into song lyrics. There's also some really amazing resources from Emily Diaz, who is like the AAC goddess in my eyes, about how to bring AAC and Gestalt processors together. Because thinking about a lot of AAC softwares, at least the one, the really robust ones, the motor planning driven ones, they are they're built in an analytic, analytically processed manner where it's a single unit. You find one single unit, combine it with another single unit, with another single unit. And for Gestalt processors, that might not hit home because you're separating out all the meaning into distinct units. But um, a lot of people who are specializing in GLP and AAC are recommending create icons that have that Gestalt in them. Create an icon for let's go. Um, we recently created one counting down from 10 to blast off. And that way there is an easily accessible symbol for that gestalt, for that stage one script. And those are hilarious because they're much longer. And what happens is because of the way that the speech is generated through the device, it's not going to have the same intonation as the child. My dream, oh my gosh, my dream, if I could get a grant for this, I don't even know how I would do it, is to create an AAC device that could also sing. So you could like press a button or turn a dial to like hit the pitch that you want as you hit the word. So you could sing through AAC. I'm, this is my project. If anyone out there knows how to do that with me, let's do it. We want to call it the Zmoose machine. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> I'm ready. Please, for the love of all that's holy, make there be a B flying yes, into please. the yes, Z. Please. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, Cause I, I really like for like my non-speaking pals, like, singing. Come on. We got to get some singing in there too. There's got to be a way. So I'm dreaming of it. But what happens is these stage one gestalt icons and buttons, the prosody changes, the melody changes, you know, speech generation inherently is going to have very different acoustic qualities than natural human voice. And so what happens is after we program one of their gestalts onto the device, they'll hear it for the first time. And the look on their face is just like, hold on. Something amazing, amazing. something amazing just happened. It's a different look on, generally speaking, like a different look than I get than when I, because when I copy a child's gestalt, um, I'm pretty precise with pitch and rhythm and volume with all my musical training. It's just something that I, I have strength in is being able to almost exactly replicate what a kid says and how they say it. There's a look on their face for that, like, oh, like, whoa, mama, you get me. There's a very different look when you, when you mirror back a gestalt through speech generation, that it's it's this fur, this little furrow of the eyebrow, or just like this like the shock response. It's really really fascinating to watch. And what I've noticed is that for the kids I work with who might not have shown any interest in AAC or overt interest, I, you can never really know someone's interest from the outside. Overt um, externalized interest single units of meaning 
they then are drawn in to the device because it has their big chunk there. So what what program do you tend to use when you're doing, when you're programming? So it depends. It depends on a family's access to resources, which I feel like we could do a whole nother episode on about access and AAC, which is like another soapbox pair of shoes I'll wear. So Uh ideally, like I, I really enjoy working with lamp. I'm a lamp girl, big lamp girl. My my brain tunes into it well. I've seen a lot of success with it. Some of the other robust ones, um, they there's I mean there's strengths and there's merits to all of these wonderful applications. And just big shout out to all the people who worked so hard to create these. I am so grateful to them all over the world. Um, I love Lamp because there's no redundancy. I get confused by redundancy. It's my brain doesn't process it well. I get very I, listen. It's already my brain's already a confusing place to be. I can't I can't have four different ways to get to the word water. Like it just I can't do it. Um, I, can't do, I can't, it. can't do it. And I for a lot of my kids, I I see that there's there's a look of confusion when you can get to the car page through row five, column six, but you can also get there through row two, column four. It, it's just not efficient in in for my fingers and for my brain and just through my personal EBP. Like I don't see it as successful, but because of ability to access robust AAC um, can be challenging for some families. I am really falling in love with Cough Drop. Have you tried it? I don't even know what you're talking. Oh my about. gosh, Michelle Dawson, MSCCC, SLP, CLC. You have got to check out <laughs> Cough Drop. What's it- Wait, what is Cough this? Drop is <laughs> oh my gosh, I should work for them. I talk about them all the time. Um, cough drop, if you're listening, <laughs> slide into my DMs. Okay, wait, I found yes, them on the Google. Good. Okay, check it out. Cough drop is this lovely AAC app. Um, it's available on browsers, it's available on iOS. I'm pretty sure it's probably available on Androids as well. And they have a two-month free trial, which I love. I love, love, love because like I have families who, let's say the family, they only have a phone. They can get cough drop on their phone. It's not like, oh my gosh, we have to find an iPad. We have to da-da-da-da-da-da-da. This is such a great way to get started day one. Downloading cough drop, two-month free trial. And they have really robust options on there. And they've got multilingual options, which is great because a lot of the families I work with have a different home language than English. Wait, stop. Uh, They're on the Instagram. It's literally cough drops, but they're now available on Talk To Me Technologies. We go a family of speech generating devices and Talk To Me are people. Mm -hmm. And folks, if you're listening, they don't pay, neither one of them pay us to say these things. We're just, we just love them. Give praise where it's due. Um, Talk to me for free. If you reach out to them, we'll give you a long-term loan to utilize in your practice. Mm -hmm. um, And you can pick what you want. And they um, work with the um, patients and their caregivers to create their own the long-term loan for you is free. The long-term loan for the caregivers and the patient are free. And then after you do like the four to six week trial, they walk you through mm-hmm. the process or help you do it. And all of that is free. Okay. Continue. No, I'm not going to continue because yeah, I'm going to down. TTMT is my preferred vendor. I go to them for everything. You, their, yes, like their customer service and their service towards exactly. professionals is so it is top notch. They are so kind. They are so forgiving. Michelle, I once forgot. I once yeah. forgot to send back an eye gaze device way past the <laughs> the time it was supposed to go. They were so kind to me. They were like, "Ma'am, just please, please send it back." So nice to me. But my families are so impressed with the service. Shout out to our local rep, Danielle Ranieri. Love her. She is so wonderful. Talk to me, technology. Why and Franken and Kelsey boom, Peterson? Boom, boom. Yes. We love okay. them. We love them. Seriously, I. Um, I'm so impressed with the level of service. They really understand how stressful this process is for families and for speech pathologists, and they make it so nice. So nice. Yes, Cough Drop is on there now. It is fantastic. Um, Just big, following them on all Good, friends. good. How did I know about this? Okay, I'm adding it to my – As please know, as you've been talking, I've been writing down people, great, and I'm like, well, great. we got to book them. 
get these people on. Excellent. Oh, that makes me so happy. Um, but yeah, back to so yeah, lamp and cough drop are the two main ones that I use. But I am I'm always open, of course, to family preference and client preference. Some kids don't like lamp. Some kids don't like cough drop, and that is a okay. We are going to find the software that feels like home. That is the most important mm-hmm. thing. Um, and I found the ones that feel like home to me, but you know, I'm, I'm verbal 99% of my life. So it's all about finding, um, something that works for the family and for the client. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking about also the one, like when it comes to AAC, voice is so important. Having a voice that reflects who the client is, what they feel comfortable with. And what I really love is with these robust options, they have so many voice choices that are so melodic. The melody behind them mm. is gorgeous. Um, and when it comes to like the intersection of Gestalt processing, AAC, and music, you can really play with the rate. You can play with the pitch. Very often for my kids with apraxia um, or signs of apraxia, we'll slow down that rate of the AAC device so that it's um, they can perceive those sound boundaries and word boundaries more clearly. Playing with the pitch is like they just crack up. I have this. I have this one boy who, um, in the beginning of our therapeutic relationship, he didn't feel comfortable verbalizing to me, and so we started with cough drop. And every session, he would pick a new voice to use, and he was trying out, feeling out oh my God, I love which that. one. Oh my gosh, he he could use that. The settings he knew settings I had never heard about. He's such a tech guy. He's a genius. Um, Yes, he would pick out a new voice every time, and he would make the pitch either really high or really low, and just just be delighted, delighted to play with the musicality of it. So, there's there's so many beautiful intersections. Um, another way that AAC and music can connect is you can create icons that that sing. You can record your voice singing onto AAC. And so um, I know like the Unity, have you, have you seen on, I don't know if you use PRC and Unity, they have the whack-a-mole game. Um, no, but I've seen on, um, oh God, what is it? Um, Look to Learn. Okay. Um, yes, but they have like other games similar to that, but it's like on the, like the AAC training Okay, programs. but it's separate from the... The software. It's it's separate from so you have to like go in and log in separately. But they have a um, break the bottle game that I find hysterical, <laughs> and a, and it make make the fart game oh. that is. Um, oh yeah, it makes things fart, and it's really okay. funny. And I had one little guy who like threw down belly laughing on the fart game. It's actually <laughs> that's really good to know because farts and talking about poop is one of my go tos for my selective mutism clients. Um, Yes, because it just you need to it, learn. Okay, good because that just loosen the the larynx. Just is so re- so relaxed talking about talking about poop. So thank you. That's good for my toolbox. Yes, <laughs> um, it's on the um, it's on the Zuvo twelve. If you get um the eye gaze component on it on um, talk to I me. I love okay. the Zuvo. Sorry. Oh my gosh, <sighs> squirrel. Yeah. I sound like you. Uh-huh. I've been no, I've been practicing my Michelleisms. Um <laughs> let's see. What are so, they? Because last night my kids did them and I was like, No, you have fun. so many isms from your <laughs> podcast. Um you go, ah, squirrel. The other one is um something about stars. What do you say about stars? Oh yeah. my stars. Bless oh, my, my stars. stars. <laughs> oh my stars. Um, there's so many good ones that you say. I love it. Um <laughs> Where were we? My my students were all well, I don't know. My students were always were like, we can tell when you're in a good mood because you bust out with a huzzah. Yeah. And I'm like, Well, yeah, huzzah, this is great stuff. And they're like, Are you Russian? I was like, No, but I spent a lot of time having Hanukkahs in little Russia. So like, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah, I actually have no idea where we I- are. I'm so delighted and terrified to listen to this episode. I, um, it's going to be great. If people are going to be like, yes, they, they embrace their neurodiversity. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, they did. Okay. It was about farts loosening the larynx. <laughs> But I promise we we were going that way. We were selective mutism. Let's let's regroup. Only us. Let's regroup. Where were we? Let's regroup there. Yep. Uh huh. Oh my god! And people were sober. Can you imagine us after cocktails? This is hysterical. Okay, wait. Okay, well, while we're coming back to whatever it was that we lost, um, yeah, coaching oh, model. Coaching model. Okay, wait, I do have to plug. I love family guided routines based interview that you can find online. FGRBI. It is Dr. Juliana Woods' um, brainchild, and um, one um, the chair of um, Francis Marion University, Dr. Francis Burns. Um, different Francis's, but, um, they, uh, she, she mentored me in the family guided routines based interview. And it is the coolest tool I've ever seen for teaching caregiver coaching. So folks do yourself a solid. They literally have all the documents you need for free on their website. Okay. Continue. I have no idea what we're coaching. continuing about. <laughs> there was a question. Tell me about how you, how you put focus on the coaching. Oh, for yes. Okay. So my favorite part of coaching with AAC is I kind of treat it like we're in the Apple store. So in the Apple store, they want to get a product into your hand right away so you feel attached to it. Oh, my God. I was imagining an Apple, oh like an orchard Apple goodness. store. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I grow – I'm in the country now. I'm with you. <laughs> like the Apple product store. Okay. Got it. <laughs> so I'm thinking about like in these stores with these, you know, these big investments, these, these products with a lot of weight behind them and a lot of emotional attachment, one of their strategies is they get it into your hand right away so you can try it out and build an attachment to it. Um, Part of my coaching is that I rarely will touch the AAC device um, in the beginning unless there's – I really can't even think of a reason why. Um, If I'm doing a parent coaching model, I want it in their hands right away and I'm going to be verbally coaching them through all the steps down to the nitty-gritty of like go find the little X in the top right corner and click it. because if I can get you learning the motor plans for how to support your kid, you're going to be helping your kid learn the motor plans to support, you know, the rest of their life. Um, you know, it's a lot of fun to know all the things I do. It's a lot of fun to have so many answers and so many ideas and, you know, be the speech pathologist I am. It's a delight but it's even more delightful to watch that come alive in someone else, especially the someone else's who are there uh, basically the whole rest of the week. Um, you know, yeah. it's, there's also, you know, there's, I know for some of the families I work with, there's something a little demoralizing about someone coming into your home and being really, really darn good with your kid at something that you've struggled with for months or years. Um Yes. Wait, folks, did you just hear what she said? These caregivers are at a place where they can feel broken, that they don't understand their child. And if we come in as magicians and just do it and engage in traditional direct service delivery, which I am of the generation, that's how I was taught to do therapy, direct service delivery, not caregiver coaching, which is abysmal because caregiver routines-based intervention has been around for like 20, 25 years, but like whatever, and I'm not that (laughs) old. but um, imagine where, how you would feel in their, in their predicament. So by doing what Corinne's talking about, you're empowering them to feel successful and confident with their kid. Yeah. Cause it's not my kid. Beautiful. It's my client, but it's not my kid. Yeah. And, you know, I have, I have long-term relationships with my clients. I, you know, I will, I want to stay in their lives as long as I possibly can, but I'm I'm not always there. I'm not always there. And, you know, I, it's not just about having confident clients. It's about having confident caregivers. And, you know, a lot of the parents I work with are just exhausted. They're so exhausted and they need a win. And to show them the power that they have within them, the brilliance within them, that they have so many of the answers, 
But if we just carve out that sacred space to find the answers together, they're never going to forget that. You know what they're going to forget? Me going on a rant for 10 minutes. Okay, so we worked on this and we're going to do this and then we do this. And if you just put your mouth like this, gone, not encoded. There's no encoding of that memory. None. But if we walk through it together as a team and your hands do it or your eyes do it or your body does it, you're much more likely to remember it and feel like it's yours. Mm -hmm. I love coaching. Mm -hmm. I love it. You know why I also love coaching, Michelle? Because you don't have to carry a bag and possibly cause the plug <laughs> of 2023. But, you know, like, there's that. That's that's one of the reasons I love coaching. But continue. <laughs> I love all the all the squishy emotions involved in it. Um, my counseling class at Emerson was the best part of grad school because I was like, oh my gosh, we get to talk about feelings within science. I am the squishiest, mushiest hearted person you'll ever meet. And what I really love is digging into the underlying obstacles and emotions and fears underneath this therapeutic process. Because, you know, I look back at my early career, especially for my AAC users, especially for my gestalt processors, my neurodivergent kids. And if you're not talking about the feelings underneath all of that, with the clients or with their caregivers, you're going to hit a wall at some point. That stuff is so important. You know, what is it like to be you as a parent? How does it feel to be so-and-so's parent? You're not having those conversations. I just feel like you're missing out on some of the most important stuff in this field. So, folks, I didn't have the joy of having a counseling class, but my first boss um, when I was a CF, um, Sean Schwarting, um, we, we everybody just called him boss man. He was a PT and he was as big as the door frame. Um, he had us read crucial conversations and then go through it and dissect. And he was, um, very spiritual. I'll never forget. He always had a leather satchel with his specific, um, tribe stones and, um, like, and his personal belongings in it around his neck. And you could tell when he was in, um, a reflective internal receptive state because he would reach for it for strength. Right. And, um, it was just absolutely, um, it was absolutely empowering to have him fill our cups and how to ask the questions. But that website, like a traditional way I go about it, like my normal approach is I hold the initial evaluation, whether that be for feeding or um, language, right? And then I'll, if, if I can't get it done in one day, which I typically can't, I'll come back the second session and do the other eval, right? And then because most of my population is IFS um, early intervention, on the second or third session, we'll have the IFSP. Then after the IFSP has been signed, my next session, I'm doing the routines-based interview. And y'all, you can find that interview. um, It's by McWilliams. And forgive me, I don't remember. R.W. McWilliams, I think is the two initials. You can find it online and it's a free PDF. But it takes the caregiver through Talk to me about from the moment your eyes wake up in the morning, the moment they close at night, every single part of that child's daily routine. And then where they have difficulties with their feeding, you can ask those questions. Or where do they have difficulties with their language? And and where do you see their delay or disorder or um, difficulty? How does that impact the family unit? You. And, and your ability to bond with your child. And that, if you're not a caregiver yourself and you're afraid of how do I ask these questions when you're trying to establish those relationships because you maybe you never babysat or you didn't have a lot of little humans in your world growing up, this is a great tool to build that confidence with. And it is invaluable in my care. So, yeah. Mm. Love that. Love emotions. I love emotions. Are you a Pisces? No, I'm I am a water sign though. I'm a big yeah. crybaby cancer. 
Yeah. Mm. Okay. <laughs> like mother, very motherly, very emotional. Mm-hmm. But I'm a Scorpio I'm moon, Pisces so I'm a little bit spicy. <laughs> I don't know what I am other than a Pisces, but Erin could tell you because she's charted it. And then, yeah, <laughs> it's cool. She comes to our house and after cocktails, like she'll do the reading, like, and tell us about like where our moons and stars are. And what's really funny is that she has my husband pegged to a freaking yeah. T and Christian's like, I don't believe in this. And all of us are looking at him. He's like, but it does yep. sound like me. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. okay. Oh my God. One, we're coming back in the spring and doing this again in the spring because I just love the symbolism of like things blooming and we have so much more ground Mm. to cover, but give impart wisdom on us before I ask how people can reach you. What else do you want people to take away from the power of language and music and AAC and all of the above. Yeah, I feel like we barely scratched the surface. I was, I was sit, I had my list next to me of all these strategies to share and uh, all these things. We, we can definitely get there. The next one. Um, I th- yes, yes. I think what I want to bring it back to is um, connection and regulation. I mean, we we know just from personal experience and then all the evidence out there that music is can be deeply regulating, um, can help our nervous systems, and it's profound for so many skills in life. And, you know, when it comes to AAC, music is a comfortable and familiar place to ground it in. For so many families and clients, AAC feels overwhelming and foreign. And if you can ground it in their favorite song, you're going you're gonna to create that, that door, open up the door for, for buy-in. Um, one of my favorite things to do is making sure that that child and that parent's favorite song are programmed so that they can request it. Um, showing them how to find the key words in a favorite song. So then when you sing it along and you pause, do that, you know, that, that early intervention, uh, expectant pause, expectant waiting, that the word in that favorite song is there for them and it's ready and it's clear that they can participate in a whole new way. And so by grounding this, you know, this brave new world of AAC for your clients in a world that is ancient and familiar, you're really setting everyone up for success. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love you. You are amazing. I knew it the second we met. And yes. Okay. When people want more. How do they find you? How do they follow yeah. you? So when it comes to just my speech pathology practice, you can find me on Instagram at crescendo.communication. However, I'm very proud to announce that uh, two months ago, I opened up my clinic in Baltimore. And it's much more than a clinic. It is called, mm-hmm. and you can find this on Instagram, Messy Happy Music Lab. This is Baltimore's hub for our littlest citizens to make music, make art, make messes, and make memories, all within an evidence-based framework from decades of brain research. And this is a neuro-inclusive space where neurotypical and neurodivergent kids and families can come together to create things and make a lot of noise together. So follow me on both. If you're local, I'd love to come see you at the lab. Um, but if you're more interested in AAC music and that intersection, come find me at Crescendo Communication. Yes. Okay. Folks, there it is. Um, thank y'all as always, you know, we love it when, um, you join us for the podcast and it is, um, absolutely humbling uh, when y'all um, provide feedback and kind words. So thank you, um, as always, for your sweet messages through Instagram accounts, um, through emails, all of the above. Um, most of you know to check us out at First Bite Podcast. Erin um, has her account, Erin Forward SLP, and I have mine, uh, Michelle Dawson SLP, which let's face it, it's basically just my children and food. Um, and um, I swear Goose has more than two shirts. He just rotates between his red run hard shirt and his um, blue soccer shirt, like ad nauseum. But you know, it's fine. We have tied. Um, so thank y'all. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And please swing by and check us out at uh, the speech booth at ASHA this year in New Orleans and come join me for um, my Friday morning lecture on uh, feeding tubes and pediatric uh, uh, feeding disorder and how they are our friends and not foes. And Corinne, woman, we're doing this again for round two. Huzzah. Okay. Hold on. (laughs) Yes. Hang on, love. Feeding Matters guides system-wide changes by uniting caregivers, professionals, and community partners under the Pediatric Feeding Disorder Alliance. So what is this alliance? The alliance is an open access collaborative community focused on achieving strategic goals within three focus areas, education, advocacy, and research. So who is the alliance? It's you. The Alliance is open to any person passionate about improving care for children with a pediatric feeding disorder. To date, 187 professionals, caregivers, and partners have joined the Alliance. You can join today by visiting the Feeding Matters website at www.feedingmatters.org. Click on PFD Alliance tab and sign up today. Change is possible when we work together. That's a wrap, folks. Once again, thank you for listening to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional. I'm your humble but yet sassy host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through speechtherapypd.com. Please check out the website if you'd like to learn more about CEU opportunities for this episode, as well as the ones that are archived. And as always, remember, feed your mind, feed your soul, be kind, and feed those babies. Hey, so it's Michelle Dawson here, and I need to lay out my disclosure statements. So uh, if you ever wondered how bad my ADD, ADHD, and lack of sleep Monday through Monday actually is. Well, here you go. These are my non-financial disclosure statements. I volunteer with Feeding Matters. I'm a former treasurer with the Council of State Association Presidents. I'm a past president with the South Carolina Speech Language Hearing Association. I am a current member of both ASHA and SCISHA. And for this year, for 2021, I volunteered for the Pediatric Feeding Disorder Planning Committee for the ASHA 2021 convention. My financial disclosures. All right. So I receive compensation for first bite presentations, as well as talking teletherapy and understanding dysphagia from speechtherapypd.com. I also receive royalties from speechtherapypd.com for ongoing webinars that I have on their website, as well as compensation from PESI Incorporate for a lecture course that a webinar that I have on their website as well. I am coordinator for clinical education and clinical assistant professor for the Masters of Speech Language Pathology program at Francis Marion University in Florence, South Carolina, for which I receive an annual salary. I also receive royalties from the sale of my book, Chasing the Swallow, Truth, Science, and Hope for Pediatric Feeding and Swallowing Disorders, that I self-published and is available on Amazon. And I do receive royalties from the accompanying 13 and a half hour CEU for the book from speechtherapypd.com. So yeah, I stay pretty busy, but those are my financial and non-financial disclosures. If you ever have any questions, please feel free to reach out. All right. Thanks y'all. Bye.